Welcome to Minute Impossible. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to investigate with us the movie Mission Impossible, one minute at a time. I'm Jonathan. I'm Chris. And I am Brad. Brad. <laughs> Welcome. That voice you heard was Brad Mendenhall. He is from two different podcasts right now. At least two, right, Brad? Uh, yeah, it's, it, uh, there's so many. Uh, yes. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he, he's from, uh, well, one of the big ones, Cosmic Geppetto. It's yeah, a great, a great podcast. It's the Mothership, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, uh, and we completed the Minute of Darkness podcast, where we went a uh, daily podcast where we went through the awesome uh, '90s movie Army of Darkness, Minute by Minute. Uh, that was a ton of fun, and uh, pretty soon uh, we're going to be starting recording Flash Gordon Minute, talking about the '80s camp classic. So, uh, oh yeah. yeah. It's yeah, we've already talked to your uh, we've already talked to your uh, get, your co-host because we're going to be on. Well, looking forward to it. Uh, it it's uh, that's going to be so much fun because that's such. There's so much to talk about with that movie, and it's also yeah. very. It, it's also a lot of fun because people are coming back to that movie and uh, just watching Thor Ragnarok. I was like, oh my god, this looks like just a, a, a more expensive scene from Flash Gordon. Some of uh, some of that movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. The colors, the color palette is is definitely stolen, and that's why that's why we asked for the uh, football egg scene because for me that's the most colorful, you know, musically interesting part of the first act of the movie. I was like, oh, can we get the football? And they're like, you guys are like, yeah, sure, you can have the football scene. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah. That movie's one of my favorites since uh, since like day one it came out. The I was there opening day for it with my parents, and ever since then it's been like my favorite. One of my favorite movies of all time. I've got the poster up in my in my house and everything. It's a uh, it's a really fun movie and uh, so much crazy stuff to talk about. Yeah, so we're very excited to do that. It was something that sort of fell into our laps, where Eric wanted to to do a movie, and me and my partner, um, the co-founder of Cosmic Chipetta Podcast, uh, Jarf Harden. He's like, we, we, we need to do this. We we need to join up with him and make this happen. It's like, oh dear God, this is gonna kill me. Because uh, <laughs> Minute of Darkness was wonderful, but uh, it, it was, and you guys know, this is not easy. And um, we're doing the fun part right now where we're recording it. The recording is the easy part. The brutal part is then chopping it up and putting everything together and putting everything at the beginning and at the end and, you know, making it sound smooth and putting it out. That'll uh, that, that'll take a couple of years off of you. <laughs> That's why we only we only uh, podcast perfectly. We never say uh, we never say um, we never pause in weird places like I do every damn time I talk. So I hate, I hate my own voice. At this point in our recording, uh, this is what forty six. Yeah, I am twenty one episodes into editing, and I hate my voice, and I hate my cadence, and I hate what I do when I talk. <laughs> I hate this whole podcast. I quit. Quit. <laughs> After last week, I don't. I'm surprised you're still here. <laughs> oh my god, last week, brutal. <laughs> last week was so hard. <laughs> you mean two weeks ago? Yes, that's right. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Sorry. Yes, two weeks ago. We we did some out of sequence, so now we're all messed up. Yeah. Oh, that's really exciting. Uh, yeah. It's super hard to do it out of sequence because you have to talk. Can't talk about the jokes you do in the first one in the first week in the second week because the second week comes before. So it was a it was a challenge, but we did a great yeah, job. I thought it was. It was fun. Talked a lot about Scientology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's get to this minute. Yes, this we minute do. begins. Well, first of all, Brad, thank you again for joining us. Oh, I'm real excited to be doing this, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. 
Yeah. This minute begins with Max telling Ethan, Job doesn't know her at all and ends with the whirring of an external hard drive. Uh Uh-oh. So so we actually, Chris, we have tech again. Yeah, tech! (laughs) <laughs> exciting futuristic tech when we saw it and now it's like oh isn't that cute yeah exactly we we've come at this movie with a with a with a with a memory of a loving memory of ancient bygone technologies and we're always so happy when we get to see it when then we're like man that thing's impractical yep man that thing makes a lot of noise <laughs> man i remember that thing we're, used to just to hold my my term paper and that was it in college and now they hear they got the whole you know CIA knock list on it. Well, I assume the CIA. Well, it's only Eastern Europe. Oh so yeah, you're right. Can't be that long. This minute starts well, when we're still back in the round room again. I love this round room. De Palma is picked. De Paul. De Palma is picked. It's uh, it's really cool looking. And now we get to see more of the dome shape of it. And there are a lot of frescoes and these great pictures of I assume Czechoslovakian saints or Bible saints. Don't really know. I looked it up. I couldn't find this um, space on any wiki, on any uh, uh, IMDb page. So we have to just go with the fact that it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of shots of Vanessa Redgrave, and I am not unhappy about that. Nope, not at all. Oh, she's just so darn cool, and she just—it's she, not like she's doing a whole lot, but it's all just uh, the sound of her voice and the way she moves her eyes, and she's so confident. And so sexy, and obviously she's not being portrayed as a femme fatale, but there's she's just such a in control, not flustered, just a just such a, a, a tough, tough customer, and it really conveys how much um, presence and power she has. Yeah, we talked about uh, last week that she definitely controls this entire room from the second we see her. And uh, <laughs> Minute Impossible is definitely in love with Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah, that is movie. true. She, uh, we have we have said so many terrible things about so many people in this movie, and this, and the second she comes on, we're like, oh, oh look, look, there's Vanessa Redgrave. Redgrave. Exactly, I love her. But uh, yeah, she is. She's still in charge uh, in this in this scene, and Ethan is still pushing to see Job. That's just still his main mission. He's dropped the money for right now, and he's asking Max uh, that they're. He's telling uh, Max that the knock list definitely has a tracking device in it, and then he's calling her bluff and saying, "Boot it up, come on!" And and then he says something funny. He says, "From thirty to six, you have from thirty seconds to ten minutes, something will happen." And it's like, well, what can what, name two things that can't be done <laughs> between thirty seconds and ten minutes? It's, Pretty much everything in the universe. Exactly. So. <laughs> You're not really, it's not really much of a threat. Yeah, I think the scriptwriter should have gone one more round. It's like, hey, why don't we tighten that up a little bit? Like, <laughs> you know, God, thank, thank goodness that actually stuff happened in 30 seconds. Could you imagine if there was a 10 minute version? Because, and De Palma seems like he's the director who would do it. It's like, we're just going to sit here for 10 minutes. We're going to have a nice three hour long movie because uh, we're going to really build that tension. It's like, De Palma, you can't keep doing this. You're killing me. I think the second draft is in this movie because in a couple minutes from uh, two minutes from now, he changes his timetable completely. <laughs> <laughs> At first, it's a, it's a guesstimation of 30 seconds to 10 minutes. And later, it's like, you got about two minutes. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, okay. Why, why didn't you say that from the beginning? No, no, okay, we're good. We're okay, it's fine. <laughs> Definitely want to talk about the coverage of this room. De Palma is killing it with his shots. He is doing low angle. He is doing high angle. This room he loves. It's a round room, yeah. and he obviously got coverage of every, every angle. angle he yeah. Could. Oh yeah, definitely. 
And he's moving the camera around with the edits. I mean, it's going, you know, one shot back to the other and then back to a third and back to a fourth. I mean, he's just, he's all over this place with the edits on this one to cut, to show off the room and the actors, you know? It's great. Yeah, the actors are, are lit really well. This is, again, we were talking about whether this was shot during the day or night. I mean, I know at some point um, we call um, we call the actor behind Max Frankenstein's monster. When, when Frankenstein's monster goes to look out on the, on the uh, patio, it's definitely daylight. But I really don't think they shot this. I think they shot most of these shots at night and they lit it for de- lit the inside yeah. because – there's no way you could get this coverage. It everything looks amazing. No, the consistency is, is is too too perfect to say. Oh yeah, they shot it between like noon and five every day, and th- there's no way the light would stay that consistent. I mean, they had to have it blocked off and set up in such a way that they got their their lighting on them so perfect. And then they went to the other to the reverse shot for that outside shot where he goes to look. Yeah, outside. they just had him shoot that at during the day somewhere. That might even, not even be the same building. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, this isn't a scene that you think about when you think of this movie because, you know, Mission Impossible has its set pieces. But this this minute really shows what made De Palma very, very cool because, I, you know, I have a feeling that if this movie were to be this exact same movie with this exact same script were to be made today, they'd probably be green screening a lot of stuff. But De Palma was really big on finding the perfect location, and really fighting to get the right location. Did you guys ever read um, Devil's Candy? Yeah, oh yeah. He was like, it's insane, that book. I love that book. Great book. Did they make a movie out of it? If not, no. <laughs> it's, ba- it's, it's, it's from a movie that basically he made. That's where the book. I don't comes go from. the other way. I don't. I don't. I don't read books about movies. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Oh, you're crazy. crazy, man. You need. You need to start reading books about movies because. <laughs> I don't read books about movies, <laughs> except for this crappy copy of Mission Impossible I'm holding up right oh, now. There you go. Uh, yeah, which we'll get to later. It, it was about De Palma's uh, experience directing the movie Bonfire of the Vanities. Bonfire of the Vanities, yeah, uh, right. which was a terrible um, Tom Hanks Bruce Willis movie uh, directed by De Palma, but just he would there would be one uh scene that was going to be taking place in a courtroom and the battles de palma would go through because he wanted to use one specific courtroom in you know the tri-state area so because it had just a perfect look and the perfect and the perfect paintings on the walls and everything was so great and he would just be battling and battling and spending like losing hundreds of thousands of dollars because he wouldn't film the scene with the third option and you know, nowadays they would just green screen it and put whatever courtroom they wanted. I, I believe whenever you see like a deleted scenes or bonus scenes in a in, on a Blu-ray, they just obviously they don't bother like filling out the green screen. So there you see, you know, Thor and Loki talking in the backgrounds, just like you know, green screen with yellow dots all over it. And uh, well, yeah, you were talking about if you're talking about Thor Ragnarok, they, they green screened the hell out of that because they had to reshoot so much. Oh, I'm sure. sure at this point, this movie's now Jennifer. Uh, we're now in March, so I'm sure the uh, the Blu-ray the, uh, is out now. DVD extras have come out to explain what they had to reshoot. Well, I mean, even even as so, much so yeah. as like you look at the Star Wars movies now, and they're doing not just green screen, blue screen background. They're doing the set itself, like the consoles and everything is being digitally done and the room that they're shooting is bare minimum. And it's like, you know, they've got this gray room basically and they're putting all the consoles and the screens and everything in digitally. Now it's crazy. You know what you can do. I mean, but De Palma is like a stickler for, for, you know, real sets. I mean, he's from that old school, even that 
you know, Coppola, George Lucas, Scorsese, and all of them, you know? That might be why they shot in Prague, because the studio could give him literally the run of the city. It's not expensive, and he could go to a million. I'm sure they're um, the, the set designers and all of the, uh, the the people who go in first. The What are they called? The Location scouts? Thank you. The location scouts, they all go in, and they, they just had a field day finding all this neoclassical uh, artwork and architecture. So this town is was perfect for the first half of this movie yeah i mean and this is a budget this movie had a budget of maybe 70 80 million dollars at the time which was not as large as we see nowadays but it's still pretty large for the time but mm-hmm. it, it, i mean you can see almost every every penny up there on the screen you know uh, have either of you guys been uh, lucky enough to visit prague no no um, have you yeah yeah uh, oh. good friend so of mine you're a first prague visitor first yeah. prague visitor one of our frequent contributors to the the podcast, actually a good friend of mine from college, Tim Burdick, uh, lives in Prague. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And we visited, and it's just an amazingly beautiful city with so many incredible churches and museums, and um, there's the, the buildings there are amazing. So, And they film quite a bit there, um, aside from I think there's some benefits financially, but also because there are so many great locations to shoot right next to each other. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you could do a thousand movies like these, uh, and you never use the same building twice because of how, uh, amazing the, the, the buildings are there. Yeah. We fell in love with it. And then we've, we've t- discussed it last week. We talked about an actual street corner they use, which is still an actual street corner where the, he gets picked up originally by Max. Uh, it does, I mean, and none of that needed any real window dressing other than putting in a bench for a bus stop. A fake bench. I mean, it. Other than that, it looks exactly like it really does. Yeah. Which we love. Oh well, they they cut out the TGI Fridays. <laughs> they're they're right next to a TGI Fridays. But um, uh, at uh, at speaking of things that look awesome, uh, at second fifty, Mathis pulls off the desk the bloody three and a half inch floppy disk out of a box, and it's just like, oh, dude, dude, don't don't pick that up. <laughs> you don't know it's where such a weird contrast. Exactly. To this, to this amazing looking room and this beautifully, uh, um, taken care of desk, this beautifully, uh, put together desk, feng shui desk. And then he just opens up this little box, which probably usually holds pens or little notepads of paper. And there's just a nasty, bloody disc in there. And I love it. I'm like, I'm like oh. I, I, I love that the disc is like 230 megabytes, you know? <laughs> That's that's what's on the disc. Two hundred thirty megabytes. It's only. It's not even two hundred thirty megs. It's probably only got like. That's what it says on the two disc. Megs. It says that. Sure, on the but disc. it's got like two megs of stuff. It, it took. It took Galitzin thirty seconds to, to copy this thing. Maybe twenty. I mean, it was nothing. No, so. exactly. <laughs> it's still covered in blood. Yeah. He he's not wearing gloves. Mathis is a crazy person. Yeah, you know, we we we've, <laughs> we've established that in the past minutes. <laughs> so yeah that's where he uh um he decides to put the floppy disk into uh all right for those of you that are younger that are listening into an external floppy drive we now have external drives again computers it's funny how computers have fluctuated over the years yeah when this macbook pro came out in 96 the it, the the floppy disk drive was too big to put into the computer okay so you have to buy an external one Fine. But then we went into the 90s and the early 2000s, and there were disk drives on everything. Everything had a DVD drive. Yeah. And now we're back to, I have a computer that doesn't even have, it doesn't even have an Ethernet port. Oh. It it only works wirelessly. It is a solid state computer 
with no Ethernet, no nothing. I mean, it, has, it doesn't even have a CD drive. Because wow. they assume everything I do is digital. Right, right. No, it's crazy. It, it's, yeah, it's funny how... Yeah, well, everything changed. Everything goes in so many directions. And I have a, you know, an external drive that I keep all my music on because I know every two, three years my computer's going to die and I'm going to like be struggling to get my music off of that and put it on because apparently I'm the only guy who doesn't just use a, a Spotify or whatever, you know, streaming service. I actually like own my own music and I don't know because I'm a grandpa apparently. <laughs> uh, I do the same thing. I keep everything on a separate hard drive and a second second computer just in case something backs up or cloud fails or something. Um, I don't want to lose any of the stuff that I've got, you know? <laughs> I don't listen to music anymore. I just listen to podcasts. I, <laughs> I listen to that and I listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. This is the, these are the two things I listen to in my life all the time. At least you listen to the Hamilton soundtrack, right? Yeah. 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 That's enough. I got that going. Every once in a while the radio's on. Yeah. That's like white noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mathis uh, turns on the uh, – and it starts uh, booting up the disc. He puts the disc in and it starts to whir, and that's where this minute ends. Well, he puts something on top of the disc, like a, like a locating or like a – Yeah, we're going to talk about gonna, that in the next minute. So that's something to lead into the next minute. That's good. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's definitely going to scan it in some way. So yeah. we'll find out in the next minute what's going on. Cool. Uh, uh, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute, Brad? Just it's amazing, and I'm sure you've talked about it. How Tom Cruise looks so young, but he also looks exactly the same. Uh, yeah. And he's sort of overpowered by Vanessa Redgrave, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, and, it could, and it probably is the reason why they cast her, because they needed somebody who could be in a scene with Tom Cruise and make him look sort of young and a, a little uncomfortable. And he's just like, okay, just give somebody with a lot of presence and charisma and, you know, looks like she's knows what she's doing, has a, a couple of miles on her because Tom Cruise can overwhelm other performers because he had, you know, he is one of the most, like, the, the camera loves him to an epic degree. And he also, ha his his whole thing as a performer is this incredible intensity. So you need someone who can sort of match his intensity whilst being quiet and calm. And just when mm -hmm. she says, mm-hmm, I was like, uh, that's that's probably the last thing people hear before they get killed. <laughs> she's yeah, she's sixty years old in this movie. That's crazy. She looks fantastic. Yeah, she's amazing. She's fan great casting and yeah. De, De Palma knows how to cast. Uh, he, he he knows how to cast actors who are sort of on their second or third act because uh, with uh, Untouchables, which is a my my favorite De Palma movie, you know, he. he cast Sean Connery, and it was the first time that someone really cast Sean Connery in one of the first times someone cast Sean Connery in an older role, and it revitalized his career and got him as an Oscar, um, yeah. because he knew how to sort of get, get that performance, and knowing when to find those actors with some mileage on them and really make it effective, and also film them best to, to, to get their innate power. Yeah, he did that for, uh, for Sean Connery. He got him in when he was older. And then you look at some of the younger guys he got in the Untouchables, and it's like at the beginning of their careers, he's just really good at figuring out. Like Andy Garcia at that point was like late twenties, maybe. Oh, he looked like a child. He was like he was like in his mid twenties, I think. At that was point. was he? Yeah, because I mean, cost that was Costner's big summer because he had that and no. What year? Uh, what year was that? Was 80, that 87. 87. He had that and No Way Out, and that was it. Those were the two big movies that made him that summer. Because before that. Before that, he only had what? Uh, before that, Costner only had uh, Silverado, 
really, oh. and Fandango. Those were like the two big things he was in. Well, yeah, because Costner was a baby in Silverado. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just looked it up. Uh, Andy Garcia is put together pretty well. He was 30. Oh, wow. In, uh, Untouchables. Wow, that's impressive. I did not know that. Almost 31. Wow. But he looks... He looks like a child, yeah. He looks 22 years old. Now. Maybe it's because he's small, too. Yeah. I don't know. Well, around, you know, Sean Connery, they all look kind of young. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but, the, and, uh, but De Palma, he's very good at finding these these niche actors. I mean, look at uh, like Michael Cerny, who he put in this movie. Michael Cerny was supposed to be, for me, he's like the f- male Max. He's supposed to be this guy who knows all the answers and is super cocky. He just comes off as kind of a jerk. The guy he's playing is this like really cocky. He talks down to all of his subordinates. It's different than Max. I think Max seems to get along with her subordinates. He like calls them like, you know, like, you know, like calling them love and, 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 and you. And she tossles people's hair. She's just, she's just so charming. Yeah. I think it's also the difference between like European, uh, European and American uh, portrayals is what they're doing as well. Because I think, you know, with with Cerny that they're doing this really hard-edged sort of like like you you don't trust him thing. And then as much as we're not supposed to trust Max, we all just want to trust her. Because, I mean, she's she's really charming and really... Yeah. I'm gonna get shot in the face. I want to get shot in the face by Matt. Exactly. Right. Not by not not by Henry. Show hands. Not by, I don't want to be shot by Henry Cerny. I mean, it's just like you know, it's just no. he's not Henry Cerny's gonna shoot me in the back of the in the head, or he's gonna stick a uh, ice pick in there, a la Goodfellas. Yeah, he's he's very he's very U.S. government type, and you're just like you can't trust that at all. <laughs> Max will hold your hand. Yeah, say it's okay. You'll be fine. It's like like putting a dog down. No, it's it's safe. You're safe. Petting you, and then boom, you're done. Yeah, I, I'd almost yeah, rather have Max as my enemy than uh, Cerny as my friend. Oh yeah, we we talked about that in this movie. We're like, we we understand that from the point of view of the script, Cerny's supposed to be in the right. Yeah, even though he he's wrong about Ethan, he is on the right side of of the law, and he is on the correct side. He feels there's a mole. He's looking for the mole, and now has proof. It's just he, he's just wrong about who it is. Yeah, but I don't like him. <laughs> I mean, I like the actor. I like the actor, Michael Cerny. I think he's a great actor, but I don't like Kittredge at this point. Yeah. I, I look forward to the, next, the following minutes. We get to yeah. talk more about him because uh, yeah, because Kittredge comes up and he he's in full oh, Kittredge. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's and I'm like, if you talk to me like that, I would I would pull out my gun and shoot you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in the next few minutes. Uh, now we go to our favorite part of the episode where we talk about the tech of the app. Yay! Brad, we'll start with you since you're our guest. Uh, what tech of the app did you find interesting or what did what, what, you like the most? I was just so happy to see that floppy disk. Uh, and I, I've... Uh, I've Live long enough where I've uh, I, I watched the, the evolution of the floppy. I remember the five inch floppy disks where they were actually floppy. Where he's like, you, and I just remember yeah. one. You, you'd have that thing where you would you could would just nervously without thinking about it, like be whipping the floppy in your hand just to sort of get that satisfying like feel of it, like flopping back and forth. And which of course was a stupid thing to do. as a great way to lose your data. Don't put don't put your thumb on that one little oh, space that was open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then switching to the, the floppies that we see, and I I, I want to see that 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 three inch floppy disk didn't last real long. 
<laughs> I want to say we had the five inches for uh, five to ten years, and then we switched to that little three inch, and then I think those only lasted a couple of years, and then you started getting, um, and then you started getting to the thumb drives pretty quick before that. I, I'm, and mini discs, yeah. mini discs, uh, and CDs were on the cusp because I mean, a three and a half inch is almost a CD. It is a, it's just a piece of floppy round circle inside of a square case yeah once they figured out can't we just make the make the actual thing that we put the information on hard that all bets were off for the floppy yeah yeah so it was uh it was just fun seeing that and it's like oh and i i I do remember like confusion because you you would have a certain percentage of uh people who were a little younger than me is like why do they call these things floppy to say don't flop at all it's like it's just the way it works trust me it's an evolution yeah, and you'll be happy to know you've picked one of the uh, um, other previous weeks tech of the weeks. <laughs> this is this is one this this is a grand champion of one of the weeks. At the end of the week, we out of our tech of the apps, we picked the tech of the week, and the three and a half inch floppy disk has won before. Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a heavy contender. It's a it's returning champ. So so that was, yeah, it was is. So that was what it was for me was just seeing the three inch floppies. Like yeah, yeah. For, for me, it was uh, for me it was the external hard drive. The, excuse me, the external floppy drive. Uh, since I've seen, I've had the ability to see the three and a half inch in, in action in this movie, uh, I'm going for the new piece of tech, which for me is the uh, really fun. It's the size of, for those of you that don't know, it's the size of a Kindle, <laughs> but it's about five Kindles thick. So take five Kindles and put them on top of each other. That's about how big this distri- this uh, floppy drive is. <laughs> I-, I love that it's connected to the back. I guarantee you it's not a USB cord. No, I guarantee you it's not. <laughs> that is, a gi- I bet you it's a giant connection. Yeah, it's probably like some big massive like attachment that goes into both ends. And uh, and it makes an awful whirring noise the second you put in the disc. So. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a freaking motorboat. I love that external. What about you, Chris? Uh, I'm going to go with the drive, too, because that thing was like, that looks like a whole other computer. I mean, that thing would be a computer nowadays. You'd flip it open you're and not, be able to do you're stuff. You're not going to go with yet another MacBook? This is a, this is the, uh, well, it's really only the physically the second MacBook we've seen. But yes. We've but, seen the other one so many times. It feels like I've seen six different MacBooks. No. It's, it's that same MacBook that's been on the desk forever. Oh, no. Oh, I take it back. I take it back. Emilio Estevez, star of the movie, did have his own he MacBook. He did have his own MacBook. You're right. So we've seen three. Yeah. This is the third physical MacBook we've seen. Yes. Oh, Emilio. This is a weird time for him. <laughs> Rest in peace, Emilio. We we love you as Jack. <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, there, there, is, there is no winner in this. No. <laughs> Brad, the only winner is our listeners. Exactly. And in that way, there are no winners. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's a great place to wrap up this week. Brad, you got anything you want to plug today? You know, uh, I would just ask people to check out the Cosmic Chippetto podcast. It's a weekly pop culture podcast. We talk about movies, music, TV, comics, really anything that we feel like. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We have an amazing uh, rotating panel of guests and uh, panelists who uh, just bring a lot of great knowledge. And uh, we've been very blessed to have fantastic guests come on. Uh, we've talked a couple, a little bit about uh, the movie Thor Ragnarok. Um, as part of, uh, in leading up to that movie, we had the amazing comic book artist, 
Walt Simonson, who did some a lot of iconic work on the Thor comic in the 80s, he came on. He was amazing. Uh, in a few weeks... Didn't the, Simonson do Beta Ray Bill? Yes. We talked about Beta Ray Bill, and that was so oh. cool because I'm a huge Beta Ray Bill fan. I was, I was hoping he showed up or was hinted at in the uh, movie that came out four months ago, but... <laughs> he he, he is a week he, ago. He is on the uh the Grandmaster's uh building. His yes. his head is. Yeah, which is cool. Yes, he he is. He's one of the he's one of the fighting one of the champions. Guys. Yeah. One of the gladiators. Yeah. One of the champions of the gladiator yeah. ring. Him and Man um, Thing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. That is awesome. And uh another cool guest we just had uh upcoming soon there's going to be the movie Disaster Artist about the movie The Room, the Tommy Wiseau terrible movie that people really love. And uh, Robin Paris, who was one of the actors in the room in the original movie, was on, uh, which was amazing uh, because it, she was she's actually a very talented writer, director, and actor uh, who know who knew she was in a terrible movie when she was acting in it, and uh, it's great getting her perspective. Like we had no idea what was going on. We thought that eventually, you know, we would get more pages of the script that would explain everything. He's like, nope. We still don't know what's going on. They still don't know how yeah, to. Yeah, and she's been in a. She she was on a How did this get made? Wasn't she? Was that her? Someone someone from the room went on, and they were really good. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look now. Well, anyway, you should listen to Brad's podcast first. Let's go first, Brad's <laughs> second. How did this get made? And find the two of them that have an actress from the room. Robin Paris. Both of them do. Yeah. And she was lovely. She could not have been any uh, more generous. We've been real lucky. Yeah. You guys have some pretty solid guests over there. We just get other minute by minute podcasters. So it's pretty low. And we've had plenty of those too. Chris, of course, Crystal (laughs) Beth, you can't even podcast anymore without Crystal Beth coming on. So we've had Crystal Beth. There would be no point. So yeah, (laughs) uh, our website's cosmicchipetto.com and we are on iTunes uh, podcast or wherever quality podcasts can be found. Cool. All right. Our, well, to echo what Brad said, our podcast is also on iTunes and use your favorite podcatcher to get it anytime you want. You can also talk to us on Facebook at The Impossible Minute Force, where we talk about goofy stuff all the time. Um, this week, we'll probably be putting up some screenshots because there are definitely some things that we need to talk about and what they look like and what they are and how they work. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, chat us up at Min Impossible, M I N Impossible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jonathan. I'm Chris. And this is Brad. This minute will self-destruct. You get to make an explosion noise, Brad. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll really hit it next time. No, do it now. Pop. Magic of editing. <laughs> <laughs>